that we're going to be starting here pretty soon, a little spring semester that we'll have. That's really what we're going to do. Uh, the curriculum, if you want to go by curriculum, is actually what's going to happen in these home groups is we're, there's just going to be some questions of you digging into the message or the word for that week a little deeper in a smaller group, a relational group. And so please sign up for that. If you'd like to be a host home, sign up as that as well. I think you just need to put your name and your, um, and your cell phone number. I know that we're probably going to start off with two is what we're thinking about doing. And we'll kind of run those between like April, May, somewhere in there, and just see how everything goes. But I appreciate Will was the one that came to me and, and Travis and Jennifer came to me and asked about that and was saying we need to get some, and I agree with it, we do. And so that, that's what, the way the early church met was they met from home to home, broke bread with one another, got in the word of God, studied scripture together, but then they also went to the synagogue, went to church and gathered together in worship like we're doing today. And so be sure and get signed up for that. Um, just to kind of get into my, today I'm going to do a teaching on marriage to go with XO tonight. And there's going to be, there's actually going to be four sessions that we'll have tonight. There's going to be giveaways. One of the big giveaways is going to happen at the very end of the, the session tonight. And the, the Borns, uh, blessed in the Northwest, are going to give away a cabin stay. And uh, so that's going to be awesome. That's going to be the big gift tonight. And there's going to be a lot of giveaways, books, and different things. And so it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, where this came from, XO Marriage, is uh, back in October of 2000, I had a friend of mine from Amarillo, Texas call me, and he said, Mark, I want to invite you to a church conference that we're having here at Trinity Fellowship Church in Amarillo, Texas. And at that particular time, this was back in October of 2000, I was kind of burnt out on conferences and stuff like that because I was like, the same old, same old. I've got the T-shirt, the cap, and the pens, and the notebooks, and everything that goes with church conferences. And he said, no, I think you really need, you and Jada need to come to this. You can stay at our house, and uh, this, this, is, this is unlike any church conference that you've been to before. And I said, okay, I'll take your word for it. He's a good friend of mine. And so we went and had a gentleman. I never had this happen in the whole time that I'd been in the body of Christ at this particular time is uh, Pastor Jimmy Evans and his wife Karen. They got up with a small group of pastors, probably about this large of a group, pastors and their wives, and they taught on marriage and ministry and that you're never to put ministry before marriage, and that the health of your church is always going to reflect the health of your marriage. And so Jade and I were just sitting there with our mouths open, like, man, we've you know, never been taught this. This is awesome. We love this, Pastor Jimmy. We fell in love with Pastor Jimmy and Karen at that time, and then we found out that they had an association of churches in a five-state area around Texas, and so that's how we joined up with uh, Trinity Fellowship Association of Churches. And then Pastor Jimmy, not only was he the senior pastor there at the church, but he started a ministry called Marriage Today. And it was actually, when it first started, it was out of Amarillo, Texas. Then it moved to Dallas, Fort Worth area. Then it grew into Exo Marriage. And now it's a nationwide, worldwide ministry. And I want to give you their website. It's xomarriage.com. You can write that down. Because you can go there and get all kinds of books, resources, free articles to read about marriage topics. It's an awesome resource, and we use it a lot here in the church and in marriage counseling. So, exomarriage.com. And so, today, to go with the Exo Marriage tonight at five, I wanted to bring a message about marriage. And I told Will earlier in the week that I was going to do something on times and seasons, and uh, the Lord just 
changed it up on me because I was going to do that this morning, and, I, and the Lord just said, no, not this. Maybe next Sunday that I bring that message. But today we're going to talk about marriage. So I want you to turn to two passages of Scripture, one in the Old Testament, one in the New Testament, if you have your Bibles or your smartphones, however you get there. And I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 2 and Ephesians chapter 5. And the title of this message is Built to Last, God's Design for Marriage. The EXO Marriage Conference title is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Yesterday, today, and forever. God wants your marriages to be built to last. Amen? But you've got to put him number one. If you're here today and you're not married, uh, you're still going to learn something today, okay? And, uh, if you're, and if you're a young person, you're like, I, I, marriage is not on my radar screen very long from now. Luke, you're married. Luke's back here going, He's a young person like this. Like, Luke, you're already married. There's Brooke. You better go sit by right now. <laughs> and, uh, uh, but uh, if you're a young person and you like, marriage is not even on my radar screen, you need to hear this now. And uh, so I just kind of want to, and I'm going to try to interject some humor in here today. So I found this, and what is marriage? And I love some of these quotes about marriage. Marriage is like twirling a baton or turning a cartwheel or eating with chopsticks. It looks it's so easy until you try it. I thought that was really good. Here's another one. Marriage is like a violin. After the music stops, the strings are still attached. <laughs> Marriage is the alliance of two people, one who never forgets a birthday, Jada, and the other who never remembers a birthday, Mark. <laughs> it's been said that Adam and Eve had an ideal marriage because Adam didn't have to hear about all the men that Eve could have married, and Eve didn't have to hear how good Adam's mother could cook. <laughs> thought that was pretty good. But there's a, a definition of biblical marriage is this. Uh, God intended marriage to be an institution, a covenant, based on mutual respect and a healthy relationship that a man and a woman have developed with each other. That's one of the simplest definitions. And I'm going to show you a couple of things today that's in our church bylaws that we've, uh, since we're associated with Trinity Fellowship Association of Churches, we use their bylaws, which are very good, very biblical, based on the Word of God. And, and as a church, behind, you've got to have bylaws in case something was to ever happen. God forbid that ever happened. But there was two things that we had to place in there to make them stand out. And the first one is a marriage statement. And I want to read you our marriage statement as a church. We believe the term marriage has only one meaning and that it is marriage sanctioned by God, which is the joining together of one man and one woman in a single exclusive covenant as defined in the Bible, biblical marriage. We believe that because God, our creator, established marriage as a sacred institution between one man and one woman, the idea that marriage is a covenant only between one man and one woman has been the biblical definition of marriage for all of human history. We believe biblical marriage is the only definition of marriage God recognizes or accepts or blesses. And there's the scripture references for it. Now with that, now what we've had to add, because of the society that we live in today, the wokeism and all this stuff, we've had to include this in our bylaws. We believe that God wonderfully and immutably creates each person as, as biologically male or female. These two distinct complementary sexes and their corresponding genders, genders together reflect the image and nature of God. Rejection of one's biological sex or associated gender is a rejection of the image of God within that person. And those are the scripture 
references for it. So we had to put our marriage statement, then below that we had to put a gender statement because of the, the society that we live in today. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 2, and we're going to, just going to learn some things from Adam and Eve. The first marriage in the Bible was Adam and Eve. Amen? And so we can learn some things from them. And I'm just, I encourage you to go home and read Genesis uh, chapter one, or Genesis chapter two, and Genesis chapter three. I'm going to read Genesis chapter three to you here in just a second. But Genesis two, verses eighteen through twenty-four says this: "And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. Men, aren't you thankful that God said that? God looked at all of creation; everything was good. Everything, everything He created, He said, Boy, that's good. That's good. He created the oceans. And said, that's good. And then when He created man, and man was alone." This is the only time that God says, this isn't good. And so it goes on and it says this, I will make a helper comparable to him. Out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that's, that was its name. And when I read that, I was like, Adam, how did you come up with the word hippopotamus? I just want to ask him that one day, okay? Verse 20. <laughs> Verse 20 says, so Adam gave names to all cattle, to the birds of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam. I'm going to pause right there. The guy that, and I'm so thank God because I've had to have a few surgeries in my life. But the guy that in, invented the anesthesia that came up with that, got, if you'll study that, he got this from the Word of God. And he prayed about it. God, how did, how, did, how did you cause a deep sleep to fall upon somebody and then you did a surgical procedure upon them and they didn't feel anything? And this, this scientist is the one that created it. I thank God for it. Amen. Okay, that's just a little sidebar for you. And it says, and he slept and he took one of his ribs. All right, so if your spouse is sitting there by you, you need to look at her and say, you're my prime rib, honey. Amen. I worked on that joke all week, guys, okay? Need better response than that. Thank you, Jace. Thank you, Jace. Uh, he took one of his ribs. So now here's the deal, guys. It doesn't say that he took something from his head. He didn't say he took something from his feet. He took something from his ribs. And so the, the, the rib is the closest thing to your heart. All right? And every, every one of us in here, you don't have to count them. I, don't, I can't even count mine. But you have, you have, 12, you have 12 ribs, 12 pairs, so 24 total, okay? And, and here's something else about rib, because you might be saying, well, then man, then every guy that's born, we got one less rib, because God took one in, in the book of Genesis. No. The only human bone in the body that can regenerate itself is the rib. Yeah, interesting. So God knew that. And so even when we have surgeries, if they need to take bone from somewhere, a lot of time they'll take bone from your ribs. Isn't God good? I mean, the, the human body is amazing how God created us. So he took, woman came from the side, beside a man, and that's where she's supposed to be at at all times, okay? And closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called, whoa, man. That's what he said when he saw her, whoa, man. That's another one I worked on all week. Okay. Because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother. Now, get this. Now, underline this. And be joined to his wife. Everybody say wife. Okay. 
I want you to know something. According to the Word of God, according to the Bible, it doesn't say partner and it doesn't say significant other. It says wife. Marriage is not for Adam and Steve or Eve and Louise. God designed for a man to have a marriage relationship with a woman that is the biblical way and that is God's way and that is the only way. The other is just a perversion. Okay? Um, and so if you, got, if you have your Bibles, and again, if you're in a smartphone, I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 3. And I know if, you're, if you have read the Word, you've read this before, you've heard the account of it, but I'm just, I, and it's only 24 verses, and I just, I believe in reading the Word of God, amen? The Word is forever anointed. And so I'm going to read to you Genesis chapter 3. And as I read down through here, I, want you to, I just want you to take account of Adam and Eve their marriage relationship, and then I'm going to give you some lessons that I've taken out of Genesis chapter 3. I'm sure there's more, but I'm going to give you three today out of here before we go to Ephesians 5 out of Genesis chapter 3. And this is when the fall happened. And the fall happened because their marriage was not strong. Okay? We don't know how much time that they had been married from creation when God in Genesis 2. You know, we, we just read it and it's just like one chapter over. We don't really know all the time that it had. There could have been, you know, thousands of years. We don't know. But their marriage covenant was not strong. All right? And I'm going to show you this. In Genesis chapter 3, it says, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? So here he comes, bringing his questions, making us doubt the word of God. And the woman said to the serpent, he said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Okay? God never said not to touch it. He just said, Don't eat it. All right? Verse 4 says, Then the serpent said, and You have to go back and see that in Genesis 2. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that in the day that you eat it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband, now watch this, she also gave to her husband with her. Okay, he was standing right there, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And the Lord called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? So he said, I hear your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? Then the man said, the woman whom you gave to, to be with me, oh God, way to go, Adam. The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I ate. And the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? And the woman said, the devil made me do it. The serpent deceived me, and I ate. Okay, how many of you heard those excuses before? God, if I didn't have my spouse, I could do a whole lot of stuff for you. Uh-oh. Or the devil made me do it. Verse 14, so the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle. I'm, I'm going to stop right there for just a second because I feel the Holy Spirit telling me to share something. 
when the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate, um, there, was a, there was a time in my life where I had to challenge a guy who was constantly in addiction, okay, in drug addiction. And he hid behind this same lie of the enemy all the time. And when he would get caught, confronted, and he was just back and forth, going to the altar, get saved every Sunday. You know what I'm saying? And, I, and, and I've dealt with things in my own life like that too. But there was a, and it was just constant with this, this person. And so he reached out to me and he was talking to me and he said, basically he said this, the devil made me do it. And I said, no, the devil, the devil was defeated at the cross. You made a choice to do that and allowed the enemy to come in. And guess what? He didn't like to hear that. Because what I was trying to get him to do, you have got to take responsibility for your actions. You've got to take responsibility. And when you take responsibility for your actions and not say, blaming somebody else or the devil made me do it, then you're on the step to freedom. And everybody said, amen. Okay, so verse, verse, verse 14. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you're cursed more than all the cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I'll put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. And he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. So there, basically God was saying there's a seed war coming. Jesus is coming. All right. To the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. Aren't you thankful for Eve, ladies? In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband. And I want to pause right there because I'm talking about marriage today. So the fall caused strife to happen in marriage. The fall. The battle between the sexes. The battle between male and female. Okay? All right. And he shall rule over you. Then to Adam he said, Because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying you shall not eat of it. He's basically saying, Adam, you didn't even communicate. You didn't even speak up. Cursed is the ground. So Adam was passive. And there are a lot of men today from the fall, we deal with being passive. So we, we let the women lead. We let the women go to church. We let the women lead the children. We let the women do it. Let the, and the, the men are just being passive and not taking their rightful spot. Okay. Cursed is the ground for your sake, and toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it, if you, and out of it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you shall return. And Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. Also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. So there was a sacrifice made. Verse 22, then the Lord God said, because all this is a type and shadow of Jesus coming to, to take away the sins of the world of what Adam and Eve caused to happen. Then the Lord God said, behold, the man has become like one of us to know good and evil. And now lest he put out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever Okay, God kicked them out of the garden because God loved them. And God already had a plan in place to redeem them. Because if they would have went in that condition, in that fallen state, and ate of the tree of life, they'd, we'd have been in that condition forever. In verse 23 it says, Therefore the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. So he drove out the man and, the placed, and he placed cherubim at the east of the garden of Eden and a flaming sword which turned, every, turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. I'm going to give you three lessons that we're going to learn from Adam and Eve, and here's number one. Number one lesson, and this was what caused the fall. Communication with each other must be of the highest priority. 
I'm talking from the smallest of details to the biggest of details. Financial decisions, all kinds of decisions. You have got to be on the same page. You have to have a united front. The Bible says in Genesis 2, and I'm just going to flip over there real quick and show you this, the two scriptures I wrote down there. In Genesis 2, verse uh, 15 through 17, it says, Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend, to tend and keep it. This is before woman was created, by the way. In verse 16, it says, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of the good and evil you shall not eat of it. From the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. All right? So he told Adam that first. Adam is not communicating correctly with his spouse. And that's one of the, the of, in our fallen nature, that's one of the, mo- the biggest problems in marriages is that men do not communicate with their wife, and the wife is sitting over there going, would you communicate with me? And the men are just grunting. Huh? <laughs> I mean, every, every marriage counseling that my wife and, do, my wife and I do around here, the, you can just take it all the way back to communication almost every time, is that they're just not communicating. They're not on the same page. They're like two ships passing in the night, and they're not having conversations about the kids, about work, about life. And I've, and I've had to train myself, guys, because it's in our fallen nature that pa- being passive, when I come home and Jada says, Mark, how was your day? She don't want headline answers. She wants me to sit down and regurgitate the whole day. And I've learned, and she's learned, and we've learned this, and that right when I get home, that's usually not the time to ask me that, you know. And so we've learned together that, that they'll, I said, honey, let's let me decompress for a little bit, and then I'm going to tell you everything that happened. And we do, and we do that. And I'm not saying that I'm perfect at it. I'm getting better at it, and I've improved, right, babe? She said that I've improved. Because it used to be just, head. thank you, honey. <laughs> that was a good place to say that, is... I've improved. I'm nowhere near where I need to be. I know that. And, uh, but we need to communicate. And because, you know why, guys? Because they have our hearts that come from our side. My personal prayer warrior is my wife. She has my best interests at heart. That's why she needs to know what's going on in your world. And there's been times Jada will look at, she'll know. They just, you know, they have, she's like my Holy Spirit junior. She'll know, there's something bothering you, honey. I don't want to talk about it right now. You know, and then, you know, a couple hours later, there's something really bothering you. What's going on? And then all she's saying is, would you communicate with me so I can help? Because that's how God made her to be your helper. Amen. But you got to communicate. And everybody said, amen. And communication is a two-way street. So wives, you have to do the same as well. And, but I'm just talking to the men because men, I know, uh, Women's, you know, I think it was something, something I read one time. They speak twenty to 30,000 words today, a day. Men speak like 500. And, uh, you know, and one guy said, my wife speaks twenty to 25 to 30,000 words a day, but then she can gust up to 60,000. <laughs> I thought that was funny. All right. So and here's number two. These, and these, I'm sure you can read this and, and, you know, read Genesis 3 and let the Holy Spirit speak to you through this. But these are the three that came to me when I read this. Here's the second one. Is you need marriage lessons from Adam and Eve. You need to protect your marriage, guarding our affections, and keeping them directed toward our spouse and not someone else or something else. 
The Bible says in Genesis, what we just read, Genesis 3, 6, I'm going to read it again. So when this woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise. So that's talking about her affections. Her affections are turned towards this tree that she's not supposed to partake of because she was listening to the enemy. It says she took of it its fruit and ate, and she also gave to her husband, and I underlined it, he was with her, and he ate, and he never said a word. And the reason why is because he was not protecting his marriage. He wasn't protecting his wife. He wasn't protecting the marriage covenant. And I thank God, as, as I'm just going to bring it in a practical sense, okay, real quick, is I'm to protect her, she's to protect me. And there's been times in, in our lives, and I'm just going to use this as an example, because I'm in ministry, I'm a, I'm a pastor, and there was one time, not in this church, it was another church that we served in in Elk City, and Jada was protecting me, and I was one of the prayer elders in this church, and I was up front, and I was oblivious to it, total oblivious to it, okay? Most guys are. We don't have a clue what's going on in the world. And thank God that our wives have the antennas up, and they can tune us in in a hurry. And she just, she came up to me after church one day, and she said, honey, Sister so-and-so is coming to you for prayer a lot. And that needs to stop. And I was like, well, I can't stop. Stop in the name of Jesus. Go to this person. She goes, no, you can direct her to a woman because, you know, we have other women that pray. Direct her. And so Jada was protecting me. And I'm telling you guys, I had no clue. I was just like, whoa, you know. And And Jada was like, antenna up, pay attention. And... And that's how affairs happen, guys, at work, spending too much time talking to the secretary or a co-worker of the opposite sex. Then all of a sudden you start, you start telling them, you know, divulging things with them that you shouldn't be. And then all of a sudden through that talking, hearts start to connect. And then that's how affairs happen. They don't just happen overnight, okay? And so both of you have to guard that. And you've got to be open You've got to grow so much in your relationship that you can be open and honest with your spouse about things like that. Because as soon as you bring it into the light, the enemy can't play in the light. The only place he can play in is in the darkness. When you keep it in the dark, then he can play his little games. And so when things like that happen, bring it to the light. And, and, and sometimes bringing it to the light, it's better if you as a husband can confess that and open it up but wife, if you're seeing it, spouse, if you're seeing it, bring it to the light. Say, I see something. Something's happening. What's going on? And everybody said, amen. Now, I'm just going to take a little sidebar here because when I was studying this, and I've seen this in Scripture before, but it just really jumped out at me because of the, the I guess it's because the society that we're living in today, the wokeism, the stuff that's trying to creep into the church, um, uh, I don't know if you know this, but all it is, I mean, you know this, the, the things have been trying to creep into the church, you know, um, ordaining same-sex marriages, um, the uh, wokeism, the, you know, watering down the gospel that we've got to be accepting of everybody and all these things. And I'm all for speaking, and I, I want to help people that want to get set free. Amen. But some of this stuff that's happening is militant. They know what they're doing. 
Um, and it's what the Apostle Paul called when you read his letters to the churches that he birthed. It's what he called doctrines of demons and seducing spirits and false teachers and false apostles and false everything. It doesn't line up with the Word of God. And I'm just I'm going to give you I'm going to read one scripture to you, but I, I'm going to give you a couple of scriptures here. One of them is in Second Corinthians 11, verses two through three, and we're going to read that here in just a second. The other one is in First Timothy two, verses thirteen through fourteen. And whenever I was studying this about Eve, and and knowing that Adam was with her because they're one flesh, the two they both failed. They both caused the fall. It wasn't Eve's fault. Okay. We're not gender bashing here, amen? Okay, and I'm trying to make that point. But apparently the fall, listen to this, apparently the fall of Eve captivated the Apostle Paul as a paradigm for warning the church, the new Eve, we're the new Eve because we're the bride of Christ. Jesus is our husband, the bridegroom, against the deceptions of Satan's new messengers, false teachers, false apostles, doctrines of demons, and seducing spirits. And that's happening in the church right now. It's been happening in the church forever, but it's really ramping up right now because the enemy knows it's in, he's in his last days. And I'm going to show you this in 2 Corinthians 11, verses 2 through 3. It says, For I am jealous for you with godly jealousy. This is a father speaking to the church in Corinth, and he says, For I have betrothed you to one husband. He says, I've, Basically, I've engaged you. I'm your father, and I've engaged you to one husband, which is Jesus, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear lest somehow, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. And that's, this is something that's going on in the church today, and I just wanted to share that is because we, you've got to stay in the Word of God so that you will not be deceived in these last days. And everybody said, Amen. All right, here's number three. Number three that happened that I saw when I was reading Genesis chapter 3 was a marriage lesson for all of us from Adam and Eve. Don't play the blame game. Don't pass the buck. Don't blame shift. And when you make a mistake, own it, admit it, and take responsibility. And everybody said, Amen. And this is in Genesis chapter 3. It's almost comical. It says in verse 12 through 13, Then the man said, The woman whom you gave to me, God, to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I ate it. And the Lord God turned to the woman and said, What is this you have done? And she said, The devil made me do it. I'm just paraphrasing that. That's PMT version, Pastor Mark translation. All right, you can read what, it, what the word says there. But blame shifting still goes on today because it's in our fallen nature. In relationships is a manipulation tactic designed by the abuser to victimize themselves while portraying negative situations as your fault. It's getting quiet in here now. It's getting real quiet. Blame shifting is where, listen to this, blame shifting is where our ego defends itself from anxiety by using projection, a defense mechanism wherein we take out our unacceptable feelings and qualities and blame them on other people. I'll tell you how good the enemy is at, is at, is at this, how good he is. He can convince you that you have married Satan's sister, or he can convince you that you've married Satan's brother. That's how good he is at it. That's how good that he can deceive you in marriage. Amen? 
He can. That's how good he is. And he can deceive, the Bible says, the very elect, which is us. Don't ask me how I know that. Because <laughs> there's been times he's, he's been very convincing to me with what I just said. And I had to say, no, that is from the pit of hell. God gave me a good wife. And you better shut your mouth, Satan. And guys, this happens in marriages all the time, and we have just got to own up. When we make a mistake, we don't blame shift. We don't blame, play the blame game. We need to take responsibility and just and say these two words, I'm sorry, three, I am sorry, okay? And when you start saying that in your marriage, your marriage is going to heal and be whole. I'm just going to give you some examples Everybody ready for me to make this real life? All right, here's some examples. I wouldn't have screamed at you if you weren't nagging me. Blame shifting. I cheat on you when you're too busy working and can't seem to find time for me. I wouldn't have called your mom if you weren't such a horrible person. <laughs> and all that's, that's real stuff, okay? We can, we, yeah, let's all laugh at it, but we all know that it's real. All right, we've all done it. Ephesians 5, chapter 21 through 23, or 21 through 23. Uh, this is in the New Testament. Again, this is the Apostle Paul, and he had this revelation of the church from Genesis, and so he brings it into this situation where he's teaching the church at Ephesus. And he says, verse 21, Submitting to one another in the fear of God, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Okay, guys, stop right there, because a lot of guys will take that out of context and just use that one scripture. And I'll, <laughs> I've got a point to Mark and Carrie over here because I love them. They're good friends of ours. And Mark, one time, he just opened up to Ephesians 5, and he told Carrie to read verse 22. And he said, read it. <laughs> but here's the deal. Verse 21 says, submitting to one another in the fear of God. So it takes men and women submitting to God and submitting to one another to make it work. For the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. And I was reading this, I was like, okay, Apostle Paul, let's get to the women here for just a second, right? He's just, he's talking to the men. Verse 29 says, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother, see, he points back to Genesis, be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery but I speak concerning Christ and the church. All right. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. There it is for the wife. Finally, we get to the wife. And let the wife see that she respects her husband. He said one thing to her in verse 22. He said, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. And I just always, I, Jade and I have this joke. I said, you know, Sarah called Abraham Lord. <laughs> 
It's in the Word, okay? It's a little joke, and Jada was like, that's Sarah, and that's Old Testament. This is New Testament, you're Mark, okay? <laughs> Amen. And so, and Abraham was a goof up too. He lied about his wife twice in the Word, so he wasn't perfect, a perfect husband. But guys, here's what I want to tell us, and I'm going to talk to the men for just a second. Verse 23 says, the husband is to be the head of the wife, okay? Anything, now ladies, don't shout me down just yet, okay? Anything with two heads is a freak, a monster, okay? And I love what Carrie said this last week. I'm picking on Mark and Carrie this morning. Carrie Ward said this last week. I heard her say, Mark may be the head of our household, but I'm the neck, <laughs> and I turn the head. <laughs> I love that. And that's, that's very good. But here's the deal. And, and I, I want to say this. Jesus is the head of the church, right? But here's the deal. And that, that's, that's funny, and we, we laugh at that, and it's, so tr- it's true, really. But whenever Jesus, when we have Jesus at the head of the church, we've also got to let him be the neck, too. And so we've got to be obedient to where the Lord tells us to go. But if a husband, listen to this, guys, if a husband leads their wife like Christ leads the church, submission is a choice they will gladly make. I've never heard a woman say, if he would treat me like Jesus treats the church, I wouldn't have no problem. Okay? More instruction in this Ephesians 5, in this, I think it's one of the most revelatory texts in Scripture about, about marriage outside of the book of Genesis, in the New Testament anyway. It says, more instruction is given to the husband in this text than the wife. So guys, we need to step up to the plate. Amen? And we need to be like Jesus. In fact, it says in in Ephesians, and I'm going to get over here, I'm just going to read this again, to the husbands. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. And I hear, and I, I, I get you, men, because all, all the guys are in here looking at me going, how in the world do we do that? Because I'm not Jesus. If I, if I could leave every guy in here with one thing today, something that I started doing in my marriage, and I'm going to tell you, when I first started, I didn't know what I was doing. I, I was fearful. I thought Jada might laugh at me because of the things that I'm going to say or do. But what I started doing is praying for Jada. And praying with her. And I would start trying to, you know, tuning in to what she was concerned with. Kids. Now we got kids and grandkids. So, so tuning in to her world, what she was concerned with. And then we would pray together. And I would pray over, the, over her. Bless her. Bless our kids. And enter into her world and she'll tell you the, the, the thing that brings her the greatest security in our marriage is when I pray with her. And we, we try to pray every day together before I leave to go to work or, or even in the evenings before we go to bed. We, we try to pray together. And I'm telling you guys, that has caused more oneness in our marriage than any other thing. That's where the two become one flesh. It's not just talking about physical intimacy. It's talking about spiritual intimacy. 
when you're that intimate with one another that you're praying for one another's needs. And then I'll pray for her, and then she'll pray over me. And I'm just like, I, when, I, when, we, when I leave in the mornings, I'm like, I can conquer hell with the, with the, with the water gun today because my wife prayed over me. I mean, seriously. And so if I could leave you guys with anything, start praying with your wife and watch your marriage become one. I'm going to give the guys one more scripture today. 1 Peter 3, verse 7. I love that this is one of my favorite scriptures because the Lord really ministered to this, me, this to me one time in my quiet time one time because I thought, I thought God was not hearing my prayers. And one day the Lord showed me this scripture and he said, Husbands likewise dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel. And I'm like, God, have you seen Jada? She's not very weak. <laughs> She's a pretty strong gal. And as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me that day when I'll never forget it and said, Mark, the reason why your prayers feel like they're not getting through, they, they're not because how you treat your wife. You've been short with her. You've got a short fuse. And, and I hear it. And you need to stop it. And you need to love her like Christ loved the church. Christ is not snappy with the church. Christ doesn't bite the head off of the church. It's getting really quiet in here. And he said, how you talk to your wife is in direct relation to how your prayers get answered. Because that's, when I see that, how, would you, how do you think I treat the church? That's how you're to treat Jada. And Jada said, "Amen." And I don't. I, and I tell you, not only has he reminded me of that scripture one, I cannot tell you thousands of times. Jada and I, how many of you getting little tests sometime? God will say, "Mark, First Peter three seven. You better to go back and tell you're sorry now, or your prayers are going to be hindered." Okay. And when you say weaker vessel, I know a lot of you guys in here are going, "They're not weak. <laughs> They're not weak." I love, uh, I met a senator from down in uh, the southeastern Oklahoma, I guess. His name's Senator Bullard. And when I met him, I could tell that uh, the people on the House floor, they really gravitate towards him, and they let him argue bills and all this. So they said, man, he's just a great debater. And he'll get up in front of everybody and have the microphone and just debate the bills that are going on. And he's, he's just really good at it. And so they just they kind of defer to him to let him do it. And so they asked him one day, said, uh, said well, how are you so good at debating? And he said, because I never win an argument at home. <laughs> he goes, my wife keeps me sharp, and uh, so that's why I'm so sharp on the floor. But the weaker vessel just means, I really believe, it's not, guys, they're, they're spiritually strong. They're strong in every way. Emotionally, they're stronger than we are. Mentally, they're stronger than we are. Um, I can even say they're, you know, thank God women have the children because they're stronger than we are physically, you know, all those things. But the only thing that I have found out where Jade is the weaker vessel is I'm the designated jar opener in our house. That's the only place where I've found where she's not as strong as I am. <laughs> all right. So, men, here's, here's what happens on Ephesians 5, and I'm going to wrap this up with this one. When we do these instructions in Ephesians 5, what we've learned even in when we communicate, when we protect our spouse, 
when we uh, don't blame shift, when we say we're sorry first. Okay, Try, men, I'm just, I know I'm talking to the men today. Um, be, be the first one to say I'm sorry. All right, don't, don't play the silent treatment and, and don't go to bed angry. There's, there's another one. The Bible says that in Ephesians 4, not to go to bed angry because when you do, you give the enemy a foothold. And I'm, I'm one of the guys, I can tell you, I can hold a grudge, okay? And, and I've, I've shared this before you here too. Jada, Jada will look at me and she knows that, that I'm upset with her. She's already forgiven me. She's moved on. And I'm still the silent treatment. And she'll tell me, Mark, sun's going down. Sun's going down. And I'll look at her and I'm like, don't use the word on me. You know? <laughs> I ain't ready to repent just yet. How many of you ever got like, I'm just not ready to say I'm sorry just yet. But guys, be the, be the first to say that you're sorry because when we do these instructions, we'll meet our wife's greatest need, and that is security. Your wife's, your wife's greatest need is security. And it's not just financial security. It's spiritual security. It's emotional security. It's mental security. It's physical. It's all those things, okay? And a lot of times guys just look at that. Well, I'm, I'm providing for her. You know, she's, you know, I'm financial. She, well, it's a lot more than just that. Amen. And so, and, and so I hope when you start praying together, that's where you're really going to meet that deep need of security in her. And then in turn, men, when we do these instructions, we'll receive our greatest need, and our greatest need is respect and honor. And I promise you, she'll put you in your rightful spot. She'll put you as the king of the household when you do these things that I'm telling you today. Everybody learned something today? All right, built to last, God's design for marriage. I want everyone to bow your heads in here this morning. And Father, I just thank you for this teaching today. I thank you for your word. God, I thank you for how it has sharpened me. I want to be a better husband to Jada. God, I pray that, um, that every, everyone here just want to be sharper because of your word, God, that they want to be a better husband. They want to be a, a better wife, God. And uh, Lord, I know there's some young people here today. And so, Lord, one of these, I, I pray that they would just start praying for their spouse right now. Lord, interceding for that person, whoever it is. God, there's some here that they, they're, they're like, I, you know, they're not going to get married. And, and Lord, there's, a, there's something in the, in the Word that that's a choice when we want to li- live a, a single life. And so, Lord, I thank you that you give, you give some people the power to do that. And so, Lord, we just thank you, God, that you're, you're, you're a God that wants to bless us and you want us to have good relationships and not only with other people, but Lord, the most important relationship outside of our relationship with you is a relationship with our spouse if we're married. And so Lord, I'm praying for healthy relationships. I'm praying for healthy marriages in this church, God, in Jesus' name. As I was thinking about this message today and XO that's going to be happening tonight, Lord, I was seeing marriages being blessed, marriages getting healthier, and then it was affecting their children, and it was affecting their children's children, and it was going down into generational, generational health, God, in the name of Jesus. And so, Lord, we just thank you for healing relationships in this house. And Lord, I just pray that everybody here in the sound of my voice, that they would just take one thing from today and start applying it to their marriage and start seeing the growth that happened. Maybe it's just praying, just that simple deal of praying with with one another, you know, during the day and just seeing their their marriage blossom and grow into all that it's supposed to be, God. And so, Lord, I just thank you and praise you that the two are becoming one in this house today in Jesus' name. Now, Lord, I know that there may be people here today that don't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. That's how marriage works. We had to put you on the throne. 
You, you're the one that created marriage. And so, Lord, I just pray that if there's anybody here in the sound of my voice that doesn't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, that today is the day of salvation. And I want to lead them in a simple prayer. And so, if you're here today and you know Jesus, I want you to repeat this prayer after them. We're with them. Say, Lord Jesus, I need you in my life. <clears throat> I believe you are the Son of God. And you died on the cross for me. And rose again on the third day. Please forgive me of my sins and create a clean heart in me. Renew my spirit so I can hear your voice. I accept you as my Savior. You are my Lord. Thank you for saving me. And everybody said, Amen. All right, I want everybody to stand up. Jada, will you come up here with me and join hands with the family next to you, your spouse if they're next to you. And we're going to speak this blessing over you. If you haven't signed up for XO and you want to come, there's still time. And so get signed up for XO. Get with me or Patricia, or you can go on the church app. Starts at 5 o'clock tonight. You'll be getting your orders in to WB Burgers and more sometime this afternoon. But I'm going to speak this blessing over you today. Now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious unto you, and may the Lord give you his peace. May the Lord bless your going out and your coming in today. May the Lord anoint you to fulfill the divine destiny that God has given to you. May everything that is brought against you be crushed by the protection that God himself shall provide. May you be blessed in your health. May you be blessed in your relationships. May your children and your children's children be blessed because they are the heritage of the righteous. From this day forward, as you submit yourselves to the Christ of the cross, may your lives be filled with joy that is unspeakable and full of glory and with peace that surpasses all understanding. May your home, as the word of God says, be as the days of heaven on earth. In Jesus' name we pray and ask it. And everybody said, amen. Hug somebody's neck, hug your spouse and say, we're built to last, baby. Amen. Have a blessed day.